Hello. I trust I'm turned on and you can hear me. Okay. The gospel is preached not just to have an interesting evening around a book that's written to tickle our ears. But the Bible is God's word showing to us the way of salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto them that believe. And the purpose of Luke explaining to us about the Lord Jesus Christ's life is so that we might see beyond the one who is the Son of Man that he is also the Son of God. For many people, that is where the problem is with their thinking. They can see he did great things and they just see him as a man who did wonderful works. But he is more than just a man. He claims to be God's son. He is declared to be God's son. He says, believe me for my very work's sake that I am God's son. Why? Because God sent his son to be the savior of the world, the sacrifice, the true offering to make atonement for our sins. God saw how serious our sin is and he did something about it for us. And Luke has received this word to himself. He has known the Lord Jesus Christ as his saviour. And he is also sharing the truth and all that he's learned and all that he's gleaned with his friend Theophilus. He knows so much. He tells us about the virgin birth. The Holy Ghost overshadowing a virgin. Something miraculous, the Son of God born as a man. We see him there, and he's in a manger, but he's the son of God. Then we see him in the temple, and they go looking for him. They've lost him, and they find him. And he declares, I must be about my father's business. He calls God his father, enlightening us more to the nature of who he is. We are children of Adam, lost sinners by the fall. But he is the true son of God. He can call God his father. He does always those things that please his father. Then we saw him by the banks of the Jordan. And there he is declared by John to be the Lamb of God. The offering for sin. The one who would bear away the sins of the world. Those who trust in him find forgiveness and peace in the Lamb of God cleansing for sin through his life-giving blood. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. And so we see as we move through Luke, we find uh, this, this Christ is the one who goes into the wilderness within the power of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, without measure. And he stands against the enemy and he wins. And he overcomes the devil by the word of God. Here we have the living word, speaking the written word to the devil and stopping him in his tracks. Not going to make a stone turn bread for you. It is written, man shall live by bread, every word of, not by bread alone, but by every word of God. When he was tempted to throw, throw himself down, 
he would not. He trusted in the word of God. And then he said in his final words to Satan, it is said instead of it is written. And it is true, it is written, but also he has said to the devil, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He stood before his very creator and he defied him. And there are so many in the world that do that even to this day. They do not see beyond that veneer of a body and a man to see the living God. And yet the devil went away defeated with no more ammunition at that time and he went off. And Jesus went out in the power of the Spirit. And Luke uses that word power many times in the gospel. And he goes out and there he is, his fame, he, he, the news of him is spreading and he enters his hometown of Nazareth, as Josh pointed out last week. He went to his hometown, and they gave him the book of Isaiah, and he read from Isaiah. And they were amazed at what he said. He said, the Spirit is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them all in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And they started to reason about him. He couldn't get past that veneer. He's, he's Joseph's son. And then the warning comes about Naaman and the widow woman. How God, at a time when his word and his miracles were silent amongst his own people, he went to the Gentiles and this woman uh, found her needs met in the Messiah, in God. In God's servant who came in the name of the Lord, all her needs were met. And Naaman, the, the Syrian who had leprosy, was cleansed. What a warning it is to us how we accept and receive and believe the word of God. You see, in this chapter, it begins, and he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. See, Nazareth was in the hill country, and Capernaum was by the seashore, on the seashore of Galilee. So he came down, and he taught in the synagogues to them on the Sabbath days. And so there was day after day, every Sabbath he was there preaching, and they were astonished at his words. They were astonished at his doctrine, and they noted that his words were with power. He doesn't teach us like the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches us that in a way that instructs us and teaches us and explains and expounds the meaning. Well, of course... We know that he was full of the Holy Ghost. And we know that it is the Holy Ghost that quickens and opens the eyes so that people can see who Jesus is. And to understand God's word, we need the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God abode on him. And so as he spoke, they knew that they were in the presence of the Almighty God. No man never spake like this man. His words were with power. He knew his doctrine. He knew his theology. He knew the truth. He knew how to apply it. He knew the application, you see. 
And so he could read from Isaiah. He could carry on expanding the scriptures. And they were all astonished and amazed. Because they noticed his word was with power. We have to ask ourselves the first thing. This is the first part. The word of God with power. Power to save. Power to transform. But only to those who believe. That is whom Christ is sent to preach. He, he has got a ministry to heal the brokenhearted. He's got a ministry to preach the gospel to his people and to those dying who are dead in sin. And they must hear and they must be quickened. We must ask ourselves, are we those that are moved by who Jesus is? Moved by not just his humanity, but his deity. The one who is written about is born. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It happened. <laughs> These are wonderful things. In, in um, just 24 hours of, of Christ on the, on the cross, he fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies. He couldn't do it if he weren't who he said he was. He couldn't do the miracles as we see later if he weren't who he said he is. But we always have this problem. Who is he? Is he a man? Is he God? If we border too much on the man's side, we start to think of him equal with us and just like us. But he's not. He was like us, but without sin, a son of God who did always the will of his father, the incarnate son of God. If we see him just as God, then we miss something because God became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. He became very personal to us. So the gospel is a personal encounter with God. It's an encounter with the Son and with his word. And they had the privilege of seeing the living word of God preach from the written word of God with power. And that's how God's word must come to us. Not because the preacher is clever or, or powerful, but because God's word declares it. So, our first point then, he's in the synagogue. They are amazed and astonished at his doctrine. And he preaches the word with power because he is the Son of God. So he enters the synagogue. And there's this man with an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. Now, there wasn't more than one devil in this man night. Legion who, uh, who entered the man amongst the tombs and, and so much so that he cut himself and harmed himself and threw himself down and they bound him with, with fetters. This man had one unclean devil with him, but he controlled him. How did he come to be in this condition? What was he dabbling in? What was he, what was he doing with his life that he'd let the enemy in so much so that this man was bound, not with fetters, but bound so that he couldn't control where he was and what he said and who he said it to. He was in the synagogue where Jesus was and this unclean spirit had brought him there and he sat through there probably squirming and that and he's going to cry out, he's going to disrupt Jesus. Jesus is not going to preach. Jesus is not going to show his power. I'm going to lash out, I'm going to stop him. His devil thought. 
And he cried out and he says, let us alone. And as I said, it was one devil. But he speaks for all of the devils. They all knew their end. They all knew who Jesus was. Their leader had gone into the wilderness just previously and faced him and come back and failed. All the, all the devils would have heard, he's arrived. The one who was going to be born of a virgin, the one we heard about, the one that's written in the scriptures, the one I tried to kill, the one I tried to kill many, many times. I tried to destroy that line of Judah. I tried to destroy Israel. He's here. I met him in the wilderness. I couldn't get through. I couldn't get through his armor. He wielded that sword of faith, uh, that sword of the spirit and that shield of faith. He had the gospel on his feet, and I, I couldn't win. And so all the devils knew that once Jesus had arrived, their end was writ. They had no way out. Are you come to destroy us? I know you. You are. You are, are the Holy One of God. Notice they said, thou Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't it sad that his own people in Nazareth couldn't see past what the devils saw, the devils knew who he was. Are you come to destroy us? They knew their time was writ. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. God has never, ever intended demons to preach the gospel. He has never, ever need their praise or their commendation or their approval. And yet it is very, very true that demons love to say truths. They love to, um, people that go to fortune tellers and, and that, they go in and they, they hear truths that are familiar to them. How do they know that? And so there might have been some sort of tactic by him to, to try and catch him off guard, but, but there was none of that with Jesus. He didn't need the praise of demons. And they knew that their time was writ, and he couldn't get through Jesus' armor neither. Jesus just rebuked him and said, hold your peace. The demon shut up, instantly shut up. A bit like Zacharias coming out of the temple. He shut up. He couldn't say a word. There was peace in the synagogue. The word of God has just told him to shut up. And you can imagine the faces of these people. He's probably screaming out and shouting and making a disruption. He's come there to spoil the meeting. And now he's demonstrating the power of God over demons. Jesus has power over demons. But who does he want to proclaim that he is the Holy One of God? He calls sinners to repentance. He wants us who are unregenerate and dead in our sins to cry out to him for mercy and to declare that he is the Son of God and to preach the gospel to others as I am tonight. To tell others that Jesus is the Son of God. He has commissioned those and his children to bear that testimony. To preach it to our neighbours. To preach, preach it to our friends. 
For one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, the devil has no good thing for you. He doesn't desire your good, and he certainly will ruin your life if you let him. And Jesus is the only one strong enough to defeat him and to stand up to him and to catch him out in all of his devious ways. And you see, the devil was told to hold his peace and come out of him. But he just didn't do that, did he? He threw him down. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him. He wasn't willing to obey, was he? But what happened? And hurt him not. Jesus, who had the power to stop the devil, also had the power to protect the one that was so bound. What had he come to do? To set the captives free. What had he just done? He set one captive who was captive beyond degree free. I often think of Paul when he says, I'm the chief of sinners, but I think he's got some competition here. I think this man is true competition. And this is grace. This is God's grace to sinners. He didn't deserve it. What did he do? He went there to disrupt. He got into this sinful mess because of himself. He, he, he wasn't even ready for the gospel. And yet, God speaks and delivers him from all that is wicked, all that oppressed him. And the truth is, and we might not like it, it's not very palatable. None of us, none of us, Deserve God's grace. Otherwise it wouldn't be grace, would it? It's a merited favour of God to dying sinners in a dying world who suffer because of sin and sometimes through their own foolishness find themselves deeper and deeper so they cannot escape. And yet even that deep in sin, God can redeem and save a soul. Now, I, I don't know whether that man came to, to faith. Or, I'm sure he did. But he was delivered. He was set free. Like he said to one, go sin no more. That's the worst thing before you to, to, to the woman taken in adultery. And we see the results in verse 36. And they were all amazed. They hadn't been in a meeting like this. They hadn't seen it in this fashion. It totally, well, they were gobsmacked. What word is this? You know, it weren't just words. It was power, words and power. What authority and power, they said. He commandeth the unclean spirits. They come out. It's as he says, like he spoke, light into darkness, let there be light. And bang, light. So he spoke into that man's dark world. And the, the, the wickedness, the devil was 
told to come out and flee. And so what would happen from then? Well, more fame, more news. Did you know what's happened in that church this week? You won't believe it if I told you. You know that man, oh, he's vile, his mouth is vile. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever heard him talk about the scriptures? How vile he is? Not anymore. He went to the temple. Jesus spoke to him and told that uncleanness to come out and, and bang, it happened. I don't know how to explain it other than its word was powerful and it happened. I want to see this Jesus. I want to find out where he is. And some sought him for his miracles. Some sought him for his power. But others saw that he was the bread of life. The one who could feed them. So we move then from the synagogue. He arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. It was a great fever. This wasn't being overtaken by a demon. Luke is very clear. This is a fever. As, as a virus enters our body and infiltrates the parts and, and brings us low and brings us down. But this was great. It had invaded her body. This, the, the, these microbes that exist in these viruses and she was taken by it. And she was, I believe, at the point of death. It was very great. She would have been sweating. She would have been uh, hallucinating. She would have been far from being strong and healthy. She was in a terrible place. It's terrible to be in a place like that without help and hope. I was in a hospital. I'd gone to see my father-in-law. And he had cancer. And he knows the Lord, and he's with the Lord. But on the ward, on the corner, there were streams. And I can't describe them to you. And we asked the nurse, we said, what, what's, what's going on? It's a young girl. She hasn't got long to live. She's got a tumor. She's 18. And she couldn't be consoled. And she cried out, and she cried out, and she cried out. And I've never heard anything like that in my life. To be bound. To be, know that death is imminent. To be without a saviour. To not know. And they wouldn't allow us to go in that room. The parents were there. I wonder if she knew the gospel that could make her wise into salvation. I wonder if she knew the saviour who could save her from her sins. I pray, I pray that someone gave that word. Sometimes you feel helpless, don't you? And Simon did. His mother-in-law was sick. She was taken with this fever and they besought him for her. She couldn't do it herself. This is prayer. This is intercession. This is going to God for somebody else. And so they went to Jesus why did they go to Jesus? Because he could do this. There's power in his word. They had faith. 
You know, him that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is God, and the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you come to God tonight, come to him in faith. Anything short is wrong. And so we see his power over sickness. He stood as there in front of her, and he rebukes the fever. Again, words. Power in his words. And we are told it left her immediately. The invading force of microbes in her body drained away. And then we see that strength from God returned in an instant. Immediately she arose and ministered unto them. This wasn't normal. This isn't the way you recover from a cold or from, uh, uh, from COVID. or anything. It's not normal. This is not normal. This is God. This is the God man. And so she was well. And the first thing she did was acted service to a Lord. She served them well. And I would say tonight that if your heart is touched and God enters in and you see who he is, your saviour, then you will want to do something for him. You'll want to proclaim him. You'll want to tell others. You'll want to worship him. You'll want to uh, pray for others. You'll want to tell others. It was a busy day. I get tired. But there we see till the setting of the sun. They were all coming. Everyone coming. Any that had sick, any that had different types of diseases, they brought them and laid them before him. And he laid their hands on them. And we are told every one of them were healed. God is the healer of his people, the scriptures declare. Can you see who he is? John said these things were done to manifest his glory, to show who he is. Not just so that people could get a bit better, but that people might see that they were in the presence of the God-man, the Son of God. The one who conquered in the wilderness. The one who conquered the devil in this man. The one who had power over sickness. And later we will see the, the wind and the waves. They even obey him. It's colossal. It's magnificent. It, it, it's mind-blowing who he is. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when it was day, the next morning we see, oh, so again, devils come out, and they start crying out, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. They can't shut up, but he, he rebukes them and suffers them not to speak. He does it again, doesn't he? And we are reaffirmed, they knew who he was, the Christ. And when it was day, he departed went into a desert place and people sought him and came unto him and stayed with him and they did not want him to depart. It reminds me of that man who had that legion of devils who was amongst the tombs and, and, and God delivered him and he wanted to go with Jesus in the boat over the, over the, over the sea and he said, no, go back, go back home. Go and tell your family. Go and tell your friends. Go and preach. They're giving you a job. I'm giving you a job. 
They wanted to keep him there. But what was his mission? He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities. I can't stay here. And so the message is sent from this pulpit, from Ben and from the elders and from the deacons, from churches up and down our land. The word is preached. The kingdom of God is near. The Savior is near. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And so he went from synagogue to synagogue. And some would receive him. Some would see beyond the veneer that he is the son of God. Some would see his word, the power, didn't just come from a man. But he was who he said he was, the very son of God. But when God spoke at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When he did the works, he said, I do the works of my father, of him that sent me. I do always those things that please him. He never claimed to be any other than God in the flesh. And yet only with the eyes of faith can we see him for who he is. And then to see him for why we need him. The lamb. The lamb of God. The offering for sin. The one who bears away and takes away our sin. Would you be free? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power. Power in the blood of the lamb. Amen. I'm going to sing Holy Spirit, living breath of God.
Heavenly Father, we've had your word declared to us, and we pray that it has come to us in power, that we have indeed understood the gospel because your spirit has enlightened us and it's quickened us, quickened us. Lord, we pray that we will take that place with you, the Son of God, where we say, it is written, and I believe, and I trust, and I rely upon the word of God, the one who loved me and gave himself for me so that I might be free. Lord, we thank you that you are the only one worthy and yet you died for us. Thank you, Lord, for one day, and you won't just drive sickness out, but you will make us anew, and we shall dwell with thee forever. And Lord, what a day that will be, changed in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the hope, the blessed hope that is before us because of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen.